This is a main Currents special. What's next for Sears Island? I'm Amy Brown. Sears Island, located near Sears Port, is a 940-acre island connected to the mainland since the late 80s by a causeway. Though it is near industrialized areas, it is mostly undeveloped and currently uninhabited by humans. Many people use the island recreationally year-round. Over the decades, people who care about the island have protected it from one proposed development after another, and the island may be under threat again. Today, we'll hear about the latest development proposed for the island from some of the folks who've been involved over the years. I asked them to introduce themselves. I'm Susan White, and I'm the president of Friends of Sears Island, uh, which I've been for the past eight years Um, Before then, I was the vice president for a couple of years, and even before that, I attended meetings for Friends of Sears Island. So anyway, I've been involved in the organization for many years. Um, I just wanted to say when I moved up to this area um, to from southern Maine to accept a job at the University of Maine, that was in 1988. Of course, I had heard about Sears Island. I'd never been there. Uh, but I knew I wanted to go there. Um, and of course, that was right after the causeway had been built. So it was very easy for me to get there. And I spent a day there exploring everything, tide pools, forests, beaches. And I loved it. Um, and even though I did get horribly lost. Um, but since then, I've spent a lot of time there enjoying it. And I just, um, you know, I, I hike there, swim there, explore in tide pools, whatever. And um, I just really enjoy the island. And the reason that I um, that I have stayed involved in Friends of Sears Island is that undeveloped places like Sears Island are rare, especially when they're easily accessible. And I feel like... <laughs> Sears Island is an incredible natural resource for the entire state, and I feel like it's very important that we protect it, which is why I'm still there. My name is Rolf Olson. I am retired. I live in Searsport. I am the vice president of Friends of Sears Island. I'm uh, Becky Bartovics, and I am um, on the executive committee of, of Sierra Club, Maine. Uh, I live on North Haven Island, so I can see Sears Island from where I live, and I love visiting it and was involved in uh, working on Sears Island for a long time. I'm Matt Cannon. I'm the State Conservation and Energy Director for the main chapter of the Sierra Club. And I'm Steve Miller. I am the uh, Executive Director of Osborne Islands Trust. Uh, We have a three-part mission, and uh, that includes... uh, Land conservation is our primary uh, mission or purpose, but we also are involved with environmental education and advocacy. Uh, we care about Penobscot Bay and significantly care about it, deeply care about it, and have been involved with almost every uh, uh, Sears Island issue, if you will, that we'll talk about in a minute uh, since IIT was formed. But this community uh, has been involved with every Sears Island issue since they began in the 70s. So uh, one thing is, I think, a particular note is that one of our preserves is Turtle Head. It's the most northern portion of Islesboro, and it's just a stone throw south of Sears Island. Sears Island's our neighbor.
Steve, that was one of the things I wanted to ask before we got into what this project is that we're talking about today. I have seen your face at hours and hours and hours and a lot of the faces here today at hours and hours and hours of meetings about various things that have been proposed at Sears Island. So why don't you give us a little history lesson, especially for anyone who isn't from the area or just hasn't been following it? Sure, thanks. Um, I guess one of the things I'd like to sort of at least mention is that there's strong indication, including shell middens, but other evidence on Sears Island of uh, Native American inhabitation or habitation there, probably year-round. There's strong uh, evidence to support the uh, belief that there was a permanent uh, community on the uh, northeast portion of the island, and that uh, a good portion of the northern end uh, entirely, including the western side, was cleared um, when uh, Europeans first came into Penobscot Bay, and uh, a cleared portion of Sears Island would not be uh, natural. So that suggests that um, Native Americans were very active there and doing a little bit of uh, landscape management, perhaps for berries or other other reasons. But uh, Native Americans certainly were uh, drawn to Sears Island uh, coming down Penobscot River. But uh, what we really want to talk about, I guess, are some of the uh, uh, proposed and failed development uh, proposals. Uh, those began in 1971 with a proposal to, of all things, build an oil refinery on Sears Island. Um, this uh, received a lot of attention, national attention, as well as local attention. Uh, a gentleman from Islesboro, his name is Henry Hatch. Uh, made a pretty uh, elegant, I think, uh, uh, statement in opposition to this uh, before what was then uh, comparable to uh, Maine DEP. Um, E.B. White wrote about this proposal for uh, The New Yorker. Uh, So it was uh, a proposal that received national attention, but uh, was ultimately withdrawn. The uh, oil refinery failed, but Central Maine Power then uh, thought it would be a good idea to build a nuclear power plant on Sears Island. Uh, there was considerable concern about the geology and whether or not Sears Island was stable, right, could handle a uh, nuclear power plant safely. So uh, that concept was was uh, scuttled, but CMP then considered a coal-fired uh, generating plant for Sears Island. Uh, Residents in the uh, region really uh, did not want to see that, even though uh, economic uh, futures for uh, young Waldo County residents at the time wasn't particularly great. Um, But the coal plant concept failed as well. Uh, Then in the uh, 1979, uh, Maine Department of Transportation began a long, very messy, very uh, really embarrassing process of trying to develop a major cargo port uh, whose primary export was proposed or supposed to be wood chips. Um, So uh, that began, as I said, in 1979, continued all the way through the 1980s and well into the 1990s. Um, Just lots of uh, of controversy, lots of trouble, uh, a combination of uh, uh, Sierra Club uh, and uh, Conservation Law Foundation and Islesboro Islands Trust and many others, including Carpenters Union, 
co major coalition of of folks spoke in opposition to that cargo point and favored Mac Point as an alternative for any kinds of cargo that would come and go. Uh, and then um, in 1996, I believe it was, then Governor Angus King withdrew the application for the cargo port. Um, and the state of Maine acquired title in 1997. Uh, at that time, Governor King said, and I'm quoting, this is an unusual piece of real estate. It is the largest undeveloped island on the coast of the United States. I see potential for it as a park or a port or both. So at that time, uh, in 1997, when it was required, there was no mandate that there had to be a transportation use. It was purchased as perhaps a park or perhaps a port or perhaps both. Uh, then uh, we learned uh, in uh, 2005 or thereabouts that uh, Governor Baldacci was negotiating uh, with uh, LNG terminal developers about uh, possibly putting such a terminal on Sears Island. Uh, again, a coalition of, uh, of concerned organizations and citizens uh, formed what we called Protect Sears Island, or PSI, and uh, hired Martha Gaithwaite as an attorney held a press conference in the Rotunda at the Capitol. And the next day, Governor Baldacci said, well, maybe we won't pursue the LNG if people don't want it. Um, and that was essentially when planning, or we thought anyway, planning for the island would begin. There was something called a Sears Island Planning Initiative, and that did result in uh, a major conservation easement over about 600 acres uh, but also resulted in designation of uh, over 300 acres as potential for uh, uh, transportation. We might want to get into some of the details of that later, but uh, at the very end of that, uh, the Department of Transportation hired a couple of consultants uh, to develop what is essentially, a, what was essentially a request for proposals from container port developers to put a major container port on Sears Island. Um, and at the time it received zero, no interest whatsoever. And there hasn't been uh, until now any other consideration for developing Sears Island. What we have right now is uh, a uh, study done by uh, a company called Moffat and Nickel. It was released in November of 2021 this was commissioned by the Department of Transportation at the request of the governor, Governor Mills, uh, and uh, to look into a manufacturing, assembling, and launching facility for offshore wind turbines that would be located uh, considerably offshore. And uh, the Moffat and Nickel folks found that it, this facility could be located at Mac Point. Uh, or it could be located at Sears Island, and they recommended that it be built at Sears Island. So that's kind of where we stand today. Part of the agreement in 2007 that set aside that portion for development, as I understand it, said that other places were supposed to be looked at first. Is that correct? It for had explicit language saying that preference for any port development in Searsport should be given to Mac Point. 
and that is not happening with this project because it's more expensive to build it. It's estimated to be more expensive to build it on Mac Point than on Sears Island, correct? Well, why um, that is not being honored right now is, is a big question. It's a good okay. question. It's a question that we've asked. Uh, Rolf and Matt and I are all members. Uh, we are three of the 19 members of what's being called the Offshore Wind Port Advisory Group. Kind of a, a mouthful. But um, uh, at the last meeting, uh, I was asked to make sort of a, a summary of our perspective on the Sears Island Planning Initiative, along with uh, Dave Gelinas, who is uh, has uh, runs tugboats in Penobscot Bay and has for years, uh, but has been a strong proponent of developing Sears Island for any number of different reasons, uh, purposes. Uh, he thought it would be a great place for an LNG terminal. He thought it would be a great place for an LPG terminal and so on. But Dave uh, spoke to this issue at the last meeting, as did uh, the town manager, uh, uh, James Gilway, uh, town manager of Searsport, James Gilway, who was part of the Sears Island Planning Initiative, and uh, Dennis Damon, who, uh, as a uh, legislator and at the time uh, co-chair of the Transportation Committee, uh, at the time of the Sears Island Planning Initiative, was also very involved with that process. So um, there weren't any answers given to your question. Uh, why well, I, I think, it, you know, I don't this mean is to Ralph Olson. on here. Yeah, thank you. Um, I, I don't mean to jump on you, Steve, but I think there's a couple of interesting, useful points for people to know. One is that our group, this offshore wind port advisory group, is one of, what, three or four different working groups that are all contributing information towards the development of the offshore wind effort. Ours is really the last one that was convened. It was brought together very slowly. We were told back in, I think it was December, wasn't it, Susan, maybe, that we, when we first learned of this, and we were told there would be a robust and transparent public outreach process, which... You know, it, 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 I don't see it as anything resembling a robust and robust and transparent. Um, it has been pulling like pulling teeth. And I don't think it's necessarily fair to say that 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 Mac point isn't being, you know, at least mentioned in this. But all the focus to date has been on Sears Island. You know, everybody knows, for instance, that Sears Island has this reserve for transportation purposes, 331 acres, I think it is. But we don't know what the acreage is on Mac Point. I mean, I, I, we could do some more research, but it hasn't been a focus of it. All the testing, the archaeological review and the, the test boring, both in the forests and offshore in the marine habitat uh, environment, I should say, those are all around Sears Island. So the focus is very clearly on Sears Island. The other thing I would say about those agreements, and I, you know, I've been aware of Sears Island since the late eighties when I lived in Bangor, but and I've only lived in Searsport for seven years. Um, but the other part of the agreement that sticks out to me is that, that it did say specifically it's reserved for future uh, cargo slash container port. This, by our definition, really is it's they're calling it a port. You know, it is a port for the purpose of 
fabricating these giant floating wind turbines, but it's, you know, and cargo will come in in the form of cement and steel and, and other materials to build these things, but there's not going to be any cargo leaving the port. There will be no containers managed there. And so it's, it may be just semantics, but it's worth pointing out that that's specifically the terminology in that agreement. Right. I want to jump in for listeners. If you have been to Sears Island, uh, Sears Island's 941 acres, I believe. And as you're going across the causeway, uh, as you're going onto the island, on both the left and the right-hand side, there are small sandy beaches that a lot of people use. Both of these are in the footprint of this proposed project, at least as was done up in the uh, report that you mentioned, the, um, the Moffat and Nickel report but just a little tiny bit to the left of the causeway. The rest of it sort of runs up the right-hand side as you're facing the island. It goes all the way to that area that looks like a jetty that was uh, built. And I believe that's the area where there were some illegal wetlands filled in and, and fines paid back at one point. But this, so just so you get kind of your bearings of what we're talking about, this would be about one third of the island and the footprint of it looks like you would, have to cross at least some portion of this industrialized area to get into the conservation area. But what exactly would they be doing? They would be building these units there and then shipping them out? I mean, isn't that a cargo port of some type? And (laughs) and, and also, let's hear some other voices too, but go ahead and answer that, Rolf, and let's hear from Well, I I guess I would just say a couple things. If somebody wants a visual reference, they can go to friendsofsearsisland.org and they can download the map that will show very clearly the transportation parcel. Now, in order to do this manufacturing, they made a large, as in 50 acres plus or minus, and probably larger than that, very flat, heavily compacted area. I mean, literally flat. So that means they would be carving out the western side of the island, hauling the dirt out into the bay, compacting it down, and building a 1,000-foot roughly uh, K there for ships to come up and, and do this. So it's probably wrong to get hung up on the semantics of cargo port. Yes, there's cargo coming in and, and wind terminal, wind floating wind term, um, towers will be going out, but uh, it's hard to call it that. I'd like to expand a little bit on that. That's great, Rolf, and I appreciate that uh, info about what's being planned. But uh, in addition, uh, it's, it's important to know that in that work of creating the 45 plus acres of very flat area upland, uh, they would remove 1,200,000 cubic yards of soil. Um, And one of the uh, prohibitions, if you will, that had been agreed to by the Sears Island planning and issues process was that there would be no harvesting of soil. So there is a blatant, really clear um, attempt to ignore that, at least at the moment. Again, um, at, at, out of the gate, um, Matt Burns, a gentleman from uh, Maine Department of Transportation who has recently been uh, identified as head of the Port Authority, nice guy, uh, but made a presentation to uh, Friends of Sears Island who, with their wisdom, thought it was important to get as much information from the Department of Transportation about the Moffat and Nickel sub uh, uh, report and what DOT plans to do with it. And in his presentation, he too identified Sears Island 
as the preferred hub of the offshore wind facility. So there are a number of ways in which DOT is demonstrating that that's their preference and that Matt Point really at the moment is not being considered as a preference. But this development would harvest all of that soil and 17 acres of marine environment would be filled. 17 acres, uh, that's almost as much land as I own. <laughs> and I have a considerable amount of forested area around my home and a field. And so 17 acres of marine area absolutely filled in order to create the war for K, as, as well said, which in phase two becomes almost 1,600 feet long. You're listening to a Main Current special on WERU-FM. I'm Amy Brown. My guests today are Susan White and Rolf Olson from the Friends of Sears Island, Becky Bartoviks and Matthew Cannon of the main chapter of the Sierra Club, and Steve Miller of the Islesboro Islands Trust, who spoke last. They have worked for years to protect Sears Island from development, and they come with a warning today about a new possible threat on the horizon. I think I'd like to just jump in. This is Becky Bartovic, Sierra yes. Club main. I'd just like to jump in and say that, you know, the thing that we would like to see is a comparable analysis of Mac Point, which has a lot of land that is available. It's already developed land. So, you know, you're talking about land that, you know, actually, you know, in terms of the visibility of it, if you're going to be building a um, renewable energy project, putting it on already developed land is makes a huge amount of sense. Um, there are a number of the old tanks that are, are ready for removal, and there's a lot of staging area. So that, you know, in the point of fact, in the last report that we had from them, they talked about only needing 30 acres actually to begin with. And um, so, there's already a state pier there. There would have to be some construction at the state pier, but I'm not sure that we have apples and apples compared in the um, economic analysis. We're not saying we don't think that there should be any wind development at all. We're saying Mac Point is a much more logical location to do this development. Susan, Matt, you represent environmental preservation groups. Susan, you're going to have to unmute yourself. Uh, I assume that that none of you are opposed to the idea of this wind power. And also, as we were talking while we were setting this call up, someone mentioned that you'd like to clarify the fact that these are not going to be put on Sears Island, that this isn't a, a matter of having wind power located on the island itself. So if you could clarify that, what the, where they would be, maybe even how they're going to be different from like the stationary ones. These are kind of high tech floating for deep water projects. Well, I can just say that Susan White, uh, yes, from Princess Sears Island, and um, there, I think the the first array is going to have twelve wind turbines, if that still holds true, and I think they're going to be south of Swan's Island, I think. So it's they're far offshore. Um, they're definitely not on Sears Island, and our position has been from the very beginning that no, we are not against renewable energy or wind power in particular. Um, or in fact, we actively power. support it. We, we support it. <laughs> yes, we do support it. No. And our only, you know, we just feel like it needs to be done, as Becky said, um, on a piece of, of land that has been industrially used for a dec. I mean, a, a century almost, um, you know, and it's already, it, you know, there's 
it's been already, it's, what do you call it? It's not a brown site, but it's, it's already, it's an industrial site. And it really can, it just makes perfect sense to do something with um, renewable energy, like getting rid of the old kind of energy and replacing it with something, you know, like with renewable energy, which would be building these wind turbines. And Becky just posted in the, the chat wondering if it's uh, by uh, Monhegan that some conversation is taking place in, in uh, chat. Uh, uh, Steve is answering that the first trial would be by Monhegan. But basically, this is uh, Governor Mills wants to get into wind power. And the, the Biden administration, you know, most people think that some kind of wind power would be a good part of an energy strategy. And regardless of where they're cited, that's not even part of your concern with this right now. It's a matter of why develop a semi-developed area? Why further disrupt that? Uh, that road that goes through there has been cracked for years now with things coming up in between. I, that, that would probably necessitate putting trucks in there, having to build another road as well. But um, Matt Cannon, Sierra Club, Maine, you're also on the DOT committee. We haven't heard from you yet. Any of this that you'd like to add anything to that we've discussed so far? Yeah, thank you, Amy. Um, a few things. So just to reiterate that, you know, our, our climate crisis requires large scale renewable energy development and offshore wind is a component of that. Climate crisis requires us to develop renewable energy as quickly as possible, and we need to do it responsibly and with our environment in mind. So offshore wind, just to reiterate, um, we do support as one of those components to meet our climate crisis. And here, just to maybe set the table a little more too, our committee that the three of us are on, Rolf, Steve, and myself, we have had two meetings. We have a third meeting in September, and then it will wrap up in December. And we're advising the Department of Transportation on port development for offshore wind, mostly Sears Port because of the governor's directive to focus on Sears Port. But our charge is looking at ports in general. So we have a lot of questions that need to be answered during this process. They have set out actually looking at MacPoint and Searsport already. And the Moffat and Nickel report actually says both are suitable um, and possible. So I think we've already acknowledged that MacPoint is an alternative. There's some question of cost that they laid out as one of the reasons um, that they maybe prefer Sears Island. But there's a lot more information on those cost estimates that we need um, and the actual impacts to the environment. So that is our charge, and we're going to ask all those questions and make sure that um, the DOT answers all of them fully. And uh, the other part of those questions that need to be answered are market uh, demands in general, both in the region and um, internationally. There's a lot of ports. There's a lot of port development happening right now for fixed bottom offshore wind, which is usually what you think of in uh, Massachusetts right now, the ones actually on the seafloor. So we're talking about floating mostly in Maine, but um, there's a lot more questions that we need to answer during this process. This is Steve Miller. Yeah, well, one of the reasons that uh, we feel the uh, sort of economic or financial um, projections in the Moffat and Nickel report are incomplete uh, are primarily due to uh, absolute failure to uh, 
incorporate any kind of uh, mitigation costs if this were to be built at Sears Island. I know Becky and, and, and Rolf and, and Susan and Matt will probably also want to talk a bit about that. And I can later uh, about why Sears Island is so important in its natural state. But uh, just to let the public remind the public uh, that the primary reason why the uh, cargo port proposal was withdrawn in 1995, I believe, well, it was 96, the primary reason it was withdrawn was because the mitigation costs to develop a cargo port at Sears Island were astronomical. And that's because the ecological characteristics there are exemplary, which we can get into. So that cost was not at all addressed in Moffat and Nickel. And then second reason is that at least as currently configured or currently conceptualized, Matt, uh, if this is if the hub or this facility is built on Sears Island, much of the material would be delivered by rail to Mac Point and then barged over to Sears Island. At least that's what we're being told, which seems kind of insane to some of us, but is certainly a uh, developer or a uh, administrators cost that Moffat and Nickel did not consider whatsoever. So what would it cost to operate the facility at Sears Island versus what would it cost to operate a very comparable, similar facility at Mac Point was not considered. We're pretty convinced that we uh, hired some consultants from DC uh, known as uh, Dawson and Associates to look at some of these questions and they immediately saw that the financial, the numbers being used by Moffat and Nickel were incomplete in those two areas. Is that uh, available online yet? I didn't see that on the website. Is that Dawson report available to the public? Yes. One place, I believe, is through the uh, Francis Sears Island web portal for information. Um, Susan or Rolf might mention that, but uh, it has recently been reposted um, uh, on our on a page that's linked to <laughs> from the uh, offshore wind uh, port advisory group. Okay. Yes, it is. This uh, is of, I'm sorry. Friends of Sears Island does have a resource page that is collecting all these several documents from the past, but the Moffat and Nickel report is there along with several other diagrams showing the you know, the ecological areas in the water, marine habitat and on land, as well as all the news articles that have happened since then, too. So someone can get on there and read the governor's memo and, and, and so forth. And uh, friendsofsearsisland.org. And there is a link uh, right from the homepage. I think it's really important um, to really focus on Sears Island itself and the ecological services that it provides of the group of us that, you know, are concerned about it. Um, You know, for my, you know, thinking the governor's climate council, you know, highlights the benefit of blue carbon, um, which is, you know, the ability of coastal wetlands and eelgrass beds, seagrasses to absorb carbon. And, um, and it, it is highlighted in that report. The, the development of this particular area on Sears Island with the 17 acres or 50, 550 acres of, you know, soil that would have to be compacted is right in a classic area where there has been eelgrass for years. So just to begin with, and the island itself has 
a lot of many wetlands, coastal wetlands, those services for all of the fishermen in the bay, you know, though all those, those provide diatoms and phytoplankton that start, you know, feeding the bottom of the food chain all the way up. And so, you know, destroying those, those ecological services is is not something that you're going to see any, um, any information about, you know, in the Moffat and Nickel report, but it will have an impact to the general economic health of the communities surrounding Penobscot Bay. I think Susan White wants to jump in. I just want to say that I think some people have been confused, you know, because, okay, there are two thirds of the island is in the conservation area. And that's the part, the 601 acres that Friends of Sears Island manages. We're the official land manager for that. And there's this other third that's called the transportation parcel that's been reserved for, you know, potential uses. Um, and I think the thing is, yes, I mean, the kind of environmental destruction or damage, certainly, that's going to happen on the western shore is is real. But it also is going to affect dramatically the conservation area. And I think people are getting confused about that. It's like, okay, that's okay. We can do this over here and then we'll have, you know, the conservation area will still do all of those educational programs and do the guided nature walks and do the science squad after school program for kids. They're not thinking there's going to be an eight story high crane that is going to be on the Western shore. There is going to be 24 seven lighting. We don't know what intensity because that's unclear. There is going to be a chain link fence around this facility because it's it's a TSA, you know, secure site. People are not going to be able to walk all the way around the island anymore, which many people do right now. Um, We're not it's, it's not going to be business as usual. If there's going to be noise, there's going to be constant noise. There's going to be lots of traffic going across the causeway, trucks coming, going. Rolf. Uh, this was a good point to mention that back in the 80s and, and historically Sears Island has been a, a place that local people actually went out and lived and camped on it in the summer back in the 60s and 70s and probably before. And there was an entire summer colony that lived out there of families. Um, and then for a while, it, it really it, it closed. It, it didn't close down, but they put the gate up and it was less welcoming and fewer people were using it. And we have um, statistics that show over the last three years, there's been a 20, 20% increase in the number of people to, the, to visit Sears Island in the summer months. And what this means is in, in the summer, we have as many as almost 15,000 cars coming onto the island just between the months of, of, of late May to, to late August. That's a lot of cars down there. And if you think of you know, maybe an average of two, two people per car, there's over 30,000 people that are visiting Sears Island. And it has, as they say, the trend, we've had a traffic counter on there, courtesy of the Department of Transportation for three consecutive years. And we measured the traffic in that time. And as I say, it's 20% increase in, in the last three years. I'm wondering if there is any input into public input into the siting decision or if they, if the public has to 
wait until there are public hearings from whichever regulatory agencies will oversee different parts of this? And are we looking at Army Corps of Engineers again with a project like this, or who's going to be involved? Uh, Steve Miller, you look like you may have an answer to that. Well, uh, at least a comment, uh, Amy, thanks. Um, I, I guess at this point, um, the Department of Transportation is making the claim that the offshore wind uh, port advisory group is its uh, public outreach. And um, I um, personally don't quite see it that way. Um, it's, it's kind of insular. And uh, we have been told that we are simply advisory, that any decision, if there is any actual call for a decision, uh, would not really uh, hold, that, that we aren't a decision-making entity. And there are 19 people and the 19 folks sitting on this group have been chosen by the main department of transportation. So, so who, who, who's represented besides yourselves? It's not all people who are, you know, wanting to protect the island, right? Well, I don't have a list in front of me. Um, uh, I do. Uh, okay, great. <laughs> uh, um, you know, I think it's, it is, it, it is intended to be, you know, a, a representative uh, a stakeholder group. So that the chair, the co-chairs are Beth Ahern from the Maine Conservation Voters and James Gilway, the Searsport town manager. And then in addition to the three of us, uh, there's a person named Josh Conover from Islesboro Marine Enterprises, Dr. Habib Dogger, University of Maine Advanced Structures and Composite Center. Um, you know, and, and he actually is one of the designers of these floating turbines that will be created. And I talked to Dr. Dogger after our last meeting, Steve and I did, and he is quite totally convinced that there is no room on Mac Point for this to happen. He was very clear with that, wasn't he, Steve? So did you all volunteer or did the governor just tap you on the shoulder and say, hey, you might be a great person to be on this committee? They knew they had to have somebody from Friends of Sears Island. We were told from the beginning that we were the primary stakeholder here. Um, you know, we, I've looked at it and there are, I think there are two women on the group. Um, all the rest are men. There's Jim Terrio from Sprague Energy. There is another Searsport citizen named Jim Garrett. Uh, Sean Mahoney of Conservation Law Foundation. You know, Associated General Contractors of Maine, Matt Marks. Uh, Paul Mercer, who's a consultant to the Office of the Governor. You know, it's... Maine Chamber of Commerce, Maine Labor Climate Council, Maine Audubon, you know, it, there are several different groups. But but regardless of what happens with the offshore wind port advisory group, and as I said before, it simply is, we've been told, advisory in nature, uh, there will need to be an application process for wherever this site is uh, you know, chosen. And um and it will certainly require a uh, National Environmental Policy Act application, which is usually called NEPA. Most people think of NEPA as being the name of it. And um, so there will be offshore uh, characteristics associated with this, as I said, 17 acres of, of marine habitat filled. So the Army Corps of Engineers will need to be re- uh, a, a review entity. We're convinced that a, an environmental impact statement will have to be uh, generated in order for this to be permitted. And at that time, uh, you could be sure that there will be entities uh, uh, intervening in the process and commenting on the process uh, and, and advocating for a hearing. It's not automatic that there's a public hearing, but I think given the nature of the history here, as well as the uh, voices of concern about 
should it be actually proposed to be on Sears Island, that it's very likely there would be a public hearing. So um, that will very likely occur. And uh, let me just jump in here and let listeners know that you are listening to a main current special on WERUFM. And we are talking about Sears Island and the latest project proposed there to build a wind port facility and the one third of the island that's been uh, set aside for possible development. And we are talking with Steve Miller, the executive director of Islesboro Island Trust, Becky Bartovics and uh, Matt Cannon from Sierra Club of Maine, Susan White and Rolf Olson are both from Friends of Sears Island, and Rolf, Steve, and uh, Matt are also part of a committee with the DOT to be looking at the siting, the location of this. The controversy is around, uh, well, one of the controversies and the one we're focusing on today is whether it's better to spend a little bit less money and develop that part of Sears Island for this wind facility, or if it would be better to just spend more and keep it in the adjacent area on that point, which is just right as you're going on the causeway to Sears Island. If you look to your right-hand side on the mainland is where uh, Matt Point is in that very developed area with all of the tanks. I think it makes sense to take a look at what developed when federal agencies looked at the cargo port back in the 90s. Uh, One statement I'd like to read is from the Environmental Protection Agency uh, in in a joint statement actually made with uh, National Marine Fisheries and U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. And they said, and this is a quote, the biodiversity of habitat types and associated flora and fauna found on Sears Island is uncommon in Maine. They identified this unique place that has some mainland characteristics. It has many island characteristics. It's at the mouth of the Penobscot River, which is the largest watershed in Maine and one of the largest on the East Coast. And it has marine characteristics because it's an estuary. It's it's the tide moves all the way up yet. So it has uh, this unique place in Penobscot Bay, and as Becky said, a unique place in uh, uh, providing habitat and nutrients for all species, including lobsters and, and, and fish that are returning to the river because of the dam removal a few years back. Um, so it, it's a critical place. And I think it's pretty safe to assume that the federal agencies uh, will take a very similar stance to that which was taken back in the 90s saying, we need to know whether or not you can't do this at Mac Point. And if you can do it at Mac Point, show us why you don't think you should, because there's a lot of reason to, uh, to see that as the, uh, as the preferred alternative. It, either way, it brings the economic development, if that's your interest, uh, to Penobscot Bay. So this is not a, a NIMBY, not in my backyard kind of position. Uh, that any of us are taking. Uh, it's simply saying, leave Sears Island alone. There's a, uh, some of you probably, some of your listeners are probably aware of uh, a, uh, uh, what was called a land ethic, uh, was uh, sort of articulated um, in the sand, uh, was it the sand journals? <laughs> and um, essentially uh, that land ethic uh, conclusion that I think many uh, conservation-minded people have adopted is that uh, what's good for the biosphere 
is good. In order for us to understand a, a, a value judgment, if it's good for the biosphere, then that's a good thing. If it's not good for the biosphere, then that's not a good thing. And so it's pretty easy to see uh, using that kind of metric that uh, creating renewable energy is good because it's good for the environment. Uh, we have an urgent climate uh, problem. Um, and repurposing this outdated portion of Mac Point without interfering with the current sort of uses that are there with uh, Sprague and, and, and uh, uh, Irving and so forth, uh, repurposing Mac Point is good because that's good for the environment. But destroying undeveloped natural systems on Sears Island is flat out wrong because that's not good for the environment. And so addressing an environmental problem by destroying environmental assets to us is absolutely makes no sense whatsoever. You know, you mentioned, Susan, getting lost on Sears Island years ago. I've been lost there, too. I mean, if you there aren't very many trails, there are a lot more. And since Friends of Sears Island been involved, they're marked and it's really easy to navigate if families want to go out there. Uh, but it's still there's a lot of this. It's completely just densely packed. It's extremely easy to get lost. I, one time I was three quarters of the way around the island when the tide came in and had to scramble up a cliff with a dog that was, you know, but. You can definitely get lost there. And I think that the wildlife would be an interesting thing to know more about. Uh, on the Friends of Sears Island website, I believe it is, uh, it's mentioned that there are ribbon snakes there, porcupines, uh, amphibian pools. I am almost certain I saw a wolf on the island one time. It might have been a coyote, but it was really big. Uh, what else is out there that might be disturbed by construction happening on one part of the island or has a sort of a wildlife inventory been done recently? No, a wildlife inventory has, has not been done recently. We know there are deer there because people call us and say there's one that's dead on the, on the cell tower road, you know, which just happened last year. Um, there, what was the, the other thing that, oh, a um, Martin, no, is that what it's called? No. Is it a fisher? Fisher. It was a fisher. And there have been whales that were seen two years ago in the summer between one whale, a pilot whale, between Sprague and the, the shore, the eastern shore, I mean, the western shore of Sears Island. I mean, okay. So, and that, I wished I'd been there. But, you know, we got calls about it. And anyway, people were just amazed. All of a sudden, there's a, there's a, there's a whale there, you know. Um, so there's all kinds of wildlife out there. It's just, and you're right, it would be great to, you know, to do a, a, a study about it. But um, well, one of the things we can talk about specifically is birds, too, because oh, yeah. you know, 222 species of birds have been spotted on Sears Island, which uh, we're told by, you know, uh, Chloe Chun is, you know, it's, it's, it's something like 47% of all the bird species recorded in Maine. Um, and, and it's, it, it's a very important site on the migratory paths. I'm not a birder. I'm not terribly knowledgeable, but, you know, according to this uh, writer named Derek Lovich in 2017, he wrote a book, Bird Watching in Maine. He says, Sears Island is by far the shining gem of Maine coastal birding in the area of coastline between Rockland and Mount Desert Island. So 
know, well, we are running close to out of time here. I'm going to give you a chance to add any brief last thoughts. I have one more question, though, which is about dredging, because I know a project to dredge around Sprague was at least temporarily disallowed uh, a few years back because of the crazy mix of chemicals that were down there. I did a show on it at the time. I'll try to find the link and put it up with the archives of today's show. But uh, if any dredging's involved for either project, that seems like that would be prohibitive. Well, it, it, well I was just going to say, one of the reasons that is Sears Island is preferred over Matt Point, supposedly, is that there would not be much or any dredging required. Very little. They're just going to fill in a huge area of the marine environment, but the dredging part doesn't seem to be an issue for Sears Island. Right. There will be maintenance dredging there, I'm told. And I don't know. It hasn't been scheduled. We have not been alerted, but we have been told that maintenance dredging will be done to keep the shipping channel, the federal shipping channel open. They always do dredge Becky I mean, whenever they can. Yes, Becky Bartovics. They dredge um, that uh, many of the ports. They haven't been doing that as often as they should. And there's a lot of silting in, especially because the causeway um, was created. So there's more um, silting in that happens in there. Um, so uh, there, you know, then the dredging problem, I remember well uh, that you mentioned, Amy, um, that it is it is something that has to keep happening and then where to locate the dredge spoils because they uh, tend to have some toxicity to them. Well, I guess I would like to weigh in on that a little bit too. The, the, the big problem with the major dredging that you're referring to is that it was so big and it was intended to enlarge and deepen uh, the turning basin to allow bigger ships. uh, I mean, majorly bigger ships. And what uh, our consultants were able to determine is that, uh, the ships supposedly uh, likely to be brought in could actually uh, be accommodated by simple uh, maintenance driving at the two piers or one of them uh, that currently exists. So uh, that's why that was put on hold, because it was apparently an attempt to expand the kinds of uses at both MacPoint and Sears Island beyond what was being publicly discussed, because what was being publicly discussed could be accomplished with simple dredging. The dredging that would need to be done to make Mac Point work as the offshore wind uh, manufacturing, assembling, and uh, launching facility is is of concern, uh, but it's highly uh, limited in area uh, just to the uh, west of the two current piers. It's an area that formerly had two piers back in the day, and there is shoaling that has occurred in that area that would need to be taken out. Um, and uh, we are told, Jim Terrio has told our consultants that they have tested in that general area. And they are not, uh, they're, they're of the view that it is not highly contaminated there. Um, clearly, if there is the need to dredge in order to use Mac Point, um, then that would have to be done extremely carefully. And the uh, material, the, the, the sediment would, would, we think, very likely need to be disposed at an inland uh, location, perhaps what they call beneficially reused, uh, but otherwise handled in such a way that it's not redeposited in Penobscot Bay, which is what was being proposed 
to be done with the million cubic yards or whatever in that large expansion of the turning basin. Um, and in fact, they were talking about disposing of it potentially in a, uh, in a pockmark hole that's in uh, for Penobscot Bay, which is presumably quite volatile. So there were a lot of reasons why that, that other proposal made no sense at all. Uh, whereas if very carefully done, judging at that point, we think in order to uh, save Sears Island is is definitely worth being uh, carefully pursued. You know that the uh, Penobscot uh, River remediation process from the Holterkamp's bill uh, has suggested that removing some of the mercury is actually beneficial, and uh, so that's a form of dredging. And the uh, uh, proposal is that it's it's in this case, or in the, that particular case, makes more sense to very carefully get it out of the environment so it's no longer contaminating birds and fish and to move it to an upland location. And so um, dredging's done a lot, and I won't say that it's always possible to do it well, but I think it is at least sometimes possible to do it well. And if the trade-off is dredge at that point and uh, assuming that it's not highly contaminated, versus uh, uh, filling 17 acres and, and flattening a good part of Sears Island, then we think that the, uh, the choice is pretty easy to make. All right. We are really close to out of time. So I want to go around and have you each take a minute to, again, say your name and the website, if there is one for the organizations that you work with, obviously some of you are with the same one, so you don't need to repeat those. But if everyone would just kind of go around and, uh, you know, briefly one thought that you have about what you would like people to do or know that didn't get mentioned, and we'll wrap it up there. Thanks, Amy. Yeah, Matt Cannon, State Conservation and Energy Director for Sierra Club, Maine. And um, I hope people will come to the September meeting. We don't know the date yet of our um, port committee advisory group and um, try to actually learn what the alternatives presented are and make sure that we get all the answers um, that we need. Okay. When you do know the data, you can put that on the WERU community calendar. So our listeners will be aware of it just by going to our website. We'd appreciate that. And we'll just let listeners know that is where they can check for that. Thank you. Susan, do you want to go next? Susan White. Oh, sure. Um, I, yes, I'm Susan White and with Friends of Sears Island and uh, the president there. And I just want to say that we firmly believe that this putting this manufacturing assembly launching facility on one third of Sears Island is totally incompatible with what we're trying to do in the conservation area on the other two thirds doesn't, I mean, if you look at our mission statement, I didn't read it, but it, 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 they're incompatible. And, and just to let you know, um, your listeners know, we are uh, going to offer many different ways to get information about all of this because we feel like the general public really does not know what is really going on here and what is at stake. So we are going to have an informational meeting. And when we have that, we will also put that on your website. Um, And we've got several different ways we're going to be doing this. But we just had a board meeting yesterday and we're going to ratchet it up and how we're going to get the word out there about what is really at stake here. Thank you, Susan. 
I'll go next. This is Rolf. Uh, I, I guess my parting thought really is that Sears Island really is at risk here. And if people are aware of Sears Island, if they use Sears Island, if they appreciate Sears Island, then learn more about it. Uh, again, friends of Sears Island. Dot org is our website, and we attempt to point people in the direction of additional information that they can have. Um, there are a couple of websites that the state has put up, and I can send them to you, Amy, and maybe put them in show notes or something. But you will be able to yes. participate in the September meeting via Zoom, probably, if the same model holds. So you can watch, and there they do leave a place for public questions. If you feel strongly, if you have enough information to make a decision or you know, express your opinion, write to your local newspaper, your regional newspaper. Um, get in touch with any media outlet and let them know how you feel that Sears Island should be protected Wind energy is important for Maine. Mac Point is a hundred years of of industrial history. Use that space first. Um, I guess I'll go next. I'm Becky Bartovic, Sierra Club Maine. Um, our website is sierraclub.org slash Maine. Um, we're happy to uh, encourage anybody to participate in um, doing the work and would be glad to take any questions. So please, you know, get in touch with us if you are interested in doing um, any kind of advocacy for this and also happy to help with letters to the editor, editor writing. Um, and I guess for me, um, I think we need to recognize that single locations um, are connected to many other locations, the interconnectedness of everything. And so for fishermen, for people who live in the communities around the bay, you know, preserving a, a jewel like Sears Island is really essential to keep being as bet as best we can, keeping the marine habitat um, alive and well in Maine. So hopefully, hopefully you will um, consider uh, speaking at the September meeting, and also when we have public hearings um, with the Army Corps, etc. And Army Corps dredging meetings are available to anybody who would like to go um, on them. You can either go by a phone or you can go to Augusta to those meetings. Happy to help you find that. Um, so just get in touch with us via our website, sierraclubmain.org. I mean, sorry, main, sierraclub.org slash main. Thanks, Becky. Steve Miller, you get uh, the last Steve, word. Steve Miller, Islesboro Islands Trust. Uh, our website is islesboroislandstrust.org. It's a lot of typing, but it's pretty straightforward. Um, and um, uh, in addition to letters to the editor, um, I think it's important uh, if you have questions to ask those questions. Ask me, ask Wolf, ask Susan, ask Becky, ask Matt, ask anybody that may be willing to talk about Sears Island. You know, what's going on and why is this happening? And ask whatever it is that's on your mind. But I think talking about this uh, among your friends and, and uh, family and peers and so forth is is uh, absolutely important. And uh, in addition to that, I think if you do have uh, uh unanswered questions, then um, contact your legislatures, uh, legislators, um, and because this is ultimately a political process and um, your opinion does matter. So uh, I think contacting those folks as well as the governor, the governor's office of energy and, um, and, and the congressional delegation in, in Washington, D.C. Um, so uh, I think Letting people know that you do care about the marine environment in Penobscot Bay um, is is uh, terribly important, and so we are, urge you to do that when uh, in whatever way you can. So, um, look forward to hearing from you in the days ahead. 
You've been listening to a Main Current special on WERU-FM. I'm Amy Brown. Links to the groups and reports mentioned today will be included in the show notes for the archived edition of this show, which you can find on our website, weru.org. Just go to the Public Affairs Archive section. Thanks for listening and keep it tuned here to your community radio station, WERU-FM 89.9 Blue Hill and streaming online at weru.org. And if you don't have our smartphone app, yet what are you waiting for 